Welcome to Swedishness, the podcast about life in Sweden. Our hosts are no less than one of Sweden's most loved and well-known TV hosts, Kattis Alström, and Ireland's pride in Stockholm, journalist and storyteller Philip O'Connor. Do you know what we're going to talk about today, Cathis? Yes, I, I yes, I know what we are going to talk about, but I know very little about it. And what is it you don't know very much about? Startups. Startups, yes. that's it. Yeah. Well, 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 I would have thought that, you know, Sweden's reputation for these hugey, cutting-edge tech companies and that kind of thing, have you not sort of... Yes, of course I know about it, but if you, you talk about, like, Minecraft and things that you play mm-hmm. on, I don't do that. Okay, do you? computer do you? games. Uh, not Minecraft now, although it's hugely popular in my house. I have two daughters, and one of them can build absolutely anything in Minecraft, mm-hmm. and she can spend hours with her nose and that kind of thing. But I do play, I wouldn't call them adult computer games, but, you know, sports games and that kind of thing you know I think there's probably a lot of guys my age I'm 45 that you know you, our generation was one of the first generations to play video games as yes. they were called back then but but there's a lot of girls playing these games too but it you're is. not one of them you no know, no but my children yeah once upon a time not now but yeah, yeah. they did but not now but it's amazing like you know how far they've come you know how much how real they have become in this and then they, they've also taken this Hollywood thing where they have like a script and they have a story they have to follow yeah. so it's, but it's not only um in terms of just games that we have startups and that, because Sweden is famous for having an awful lot of companies at the cutting edge, as I said, of technology. Spotify was Spotify once a startup. Spotify is just wonderful. I use it every day. Every day. Every hour almost. Actually, I love it. Before we came into the studio here, we were talking about music, and I bet Spotify was part of that discussion. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there's a company up in Umeå, which is fascinating. I think they're called BehaviorSec, and they're involved in the, the IT security industry. So instead of having to have a password, because uh, do you have the same password for everything, by the way? I'm not trying to get your bank details here. Yes, but, I do. Yeah, okay. It's that's terrible. Re- I shouldn't really have That's really bad. I know. So now this company up in uh, Umeå, they've been up there in the darkness all winter, and rather than going out and doing cross-country skiing, they've been working on in a way that um, it gets your computer to learn how you behave so it knows that it's you that's at the keyboard, Mm -hmm. right? Don't ask me to explain how, but they've been at it as a startup for like six or seven years. So that's just one of many thousands of Swedish companies that have started up here. And today we're going to talk about the reputation that Sweden has as being the startup darling of Europe. That's based on the fact that Swedes have created some of the most successful tech solutions in the global market. And did you know that Stockholm has more billion-dollar companies per capita than anywhere else in Europe? Is that true? I'm sure it is. Uh, Apparently, it's only beaten on a global scale by Silicon Valley in the United States, which, of course, you know, Apple and Google and Facebook and all these guys have been based there. Uh, Now, I'd say Silicon Valley in the United States probably has a greater population than Sweden's, which is about 9.9 million people. Mm. So uh, you'd expect them to be able to scale it up. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, and, and this might seem like a total success story, but maybe it's not the full story. Okay. If you're one uh, of those tempted to come to Stockholm to seek a career, I think you will find it very useful to listen to our guest today. Three bright brains with different experiences from a Stockholm startup scene, reflecting on the topic, is Sweden a startup scene really as hot as everyone says? Maral Kalajan has three jobs. One of them is doing marketing for Sting, a Stockholm tech incubator that has provided business development support to over 100 innovative startups. She is also director and founder of the children's app Peppy Pals and involved in Startup Green Stockholm, an independent startup community. 
Rasmus Ram is CEO of the Stockholm School of Entrepreneurship, which links entrepreneurial students and academics from all of the city's universities. First of all, can we agree on a definition? What is a startup? <laughs> I can go first. Yeah, I can go first. Startup is something, someone, somewhere sitting and wants to solve something in the world to make it better, and and then they have an idea and then make they make it happen basically to make something a problem or a pain to us with a solution. They come up with a solution. And who defines the problem? The pr- the problem defines the person who is suffering from it. Usually, most founders they start a pro- they start a startup because they see a problem that they want to fix. They want to have something better. So, yeah. Okay. And Rasmus, can you tell us a little bit about the Stockholm School of Entrepreneurship? What do you do there, and what's your role there? Sure, it's a collaboration between five universities here in Stockholm. It's uh, uh, 18 years old, and the universities are the Stockholm School of Economics, the Royal Institute of Technology. Uh, Stockholm University, Konstfack, that's the design university, and uh, the Karolinska Institute. And essentially, what we do is that we have the mandate from these universities to bring the students together to study entrepreneurship, applied, get their hands dirty, working on their own projects, and in an interdisciplinary way. Okay, so your job then is to sort of create the entrepreneurs of the future. Is that what you do every week? Well, at least what we do is that we give them the opportunity to educate in entrepreneurship and to meet others. Uh, and uh, do they do it? Yes, about 10,000 students uh, have done so since the start. Mm. And uh, Marielle, what, what is Startup Grind Community? Yeah, Startup Grind is a non-profit organization that has started in Silicon Valley. So what we do is that we try to bring people from different disciplines together in one place every month where we have events. And in those events, we host uh, special people that we think that will bring a lot of inspiration and also things that our people, the people who come to our events can benefit from and get uh, insights from. And what do you do with Sting? Yeah, Sting is uh, where I work. So it's it's called Stockholm Innovation and Growth. Okay. And we are Sweden's and also Nordic's top uh, accelerator. Basically, we have different type of programs. So if you have if you are someone who has an idea or already has started a company, based on which stage your idea or company is, we have different programs. And that will give you a taste of what is it to run your own company without taking the risk. And then the second one is our incubator and also accelerator program where you can win. It's very intensive. You get a lot of coaching and uh, some funding as well and a place to sit. So we make basically uh, the founder's journey faster. Okay. How would you both of you describe the Swedish startup scene right now? Yeah, I think uh, if you want to start up, you have to come to Stockholm. Uh, and I think that um, Stockholm tech scene or the startup scene is really getting big. And we have a lot of graduates, if we can call them, or unicorns. That's what we call them in our what the one billion dollar valuation companies. And um, yeah, it's it's if you say outside in Silicon Valley or in Berlin or in London that you're a Swedish company, a Swedish startup, it has become a strong brand. Mm. And it's getting better and better. I think this uh, word scene is interesting. It means that someone stands with the spotlight on them. There's also a lot of things happening behind the scenes. There are a lot of new young companies around that. What will they become? We don't know, but there's something happening there. Importantly, I think, is to say also that these companies still, on average, have to show really that they have the future ahead of them. Uh, And I mean, it, it lies in the concept of a startup. It's still young. We don't know what will happen with it. 
but there is something percolating, something really exciting. How is it that we have so many success stories from here in Sweden? I'm thinking of companies like Spotify, you have uh, iZettel, which is a sort of a mobile payment system, Klarna, which is uh, invoices on behalf of other companies, Skype, everybody knows, Minecraft, everybody under 20 has been playing this game for years. What is it in Swedish culture that makes this happen or allows this to happen? Yeah, as an as a foreigner, this may sound funny, but um, the weather plays a very big role. It has actually proven that uh, when it's dark and uh, winter time, people are more creative because they sit and are coding. Is it true? Yes, and also I th- also this area in the world is it has a deep penetration of uh, IT. Mm-hmm. It's the top place to be when it comes to connectivity mm-hmm. and that also plays a big role and I think Swedes in general are very good in also the humanitarian part they always want to do something better mm-hmm. to them and also to the world mm-hmm. that's what I think yeah I agree to that but uh, and and in addition I think an important role has been played with what happened around the turn of the century with the IT bubble because mm-hmm. with today what you see in the scene is a lot of people that were active back then that had a lot of that got a lot of experience draw a lot of learnings from what happened back then and now starting to provide the attitude of paying it forward to mm. contributing to those around so what you see is that you have individuals with experience you now have funding around uh, the informal capital in, in Sweden for from business angels etc it's very high internationally compared and what you also have is supportive intermediaries like for example Stockholm School of Entrepreneurship like Startup Grind like many others Sting and Sting yeah. absolutely Sting <laughs> uh, and what they have they've been around for some time so there is also an ecosystem that supports this rainforest of Odd birds that, that pop up everywhere, and that's uh, entrepreneurs uh, supporting other entrepreneurs. Yes. But what about the government? Can you give an example when they support? Yes, I can. I had a personal experience actually with Startup Grind. We have hosted Annie Löf, which is the uh, leader of the Center Party, and Annie Löf, and also the current government. I'm not very good with names, but they have been showing a lot of support to our to our ecosystem, and uh, they are involved, like we'd say, with the housing issues that we have because a lot of these big companies that you named uh, bring a lot of uh, talents from outside, and then then they don't have a place to live. So uh, they are involved, but it, of course, when it comes to government, it always takes times but they are very aware and trying to help out last year the stockholm tech hub celebrated more than a billion dollars in investment uh, on business ideas in sectors like music technology e-commerce software but at the same time many new businesses are still struggling to raise enough funding or to see any returns on the investments that they've already made does that mean that the ideas aren't very good or is it a sign that there are just too many startups out there competing for the same investment dollar No, I'm not sure it's a it's a sign of any of that because uh, uh, that was a bit what I meant earlier that we still have to look in. I mean, I mean, we still have to wait a bit to see what comes out of this that we see going on around us. Some think there is a new bubble coming. Some think that there this is just a signal of foreign investors considering Swedish uh, companies undervalued and therefore put money into it. Uh, uh, so, what is it a signal of? I think it's a signal of an interest in Stockholm. It's a signal of the companies that come out of this scene Mm -hmm. and also a testament to the fact that uh, uh, there is something there. Uh, Are they hunting for the same money? Sure they are, but uh, uh, that's only a good thing uh, because it it means that it gives everyone a run for their money. What about Silicon Valley? What can you learn from them? A lot. (laughs) A lot of people are saying we don't want to be Silicon Valley here. I don't know. 
Uh, what can we learn from Silicon Valley? Well, okay, th- there are similarities. Uh, so uh, there was a book published by someone named Victor Wang, who is uh, leading a big entrepreneurship effort by one of uh, US biggest uh, uh, foundations for entrepreneurship, Kaufman Foundation. And he's published this book called The Rainforest. And uh, essentially what he says is, if you want to learn one thing from Silicon Valley, it's that if you want to stimulate this kind of an ecosystem, uh, the, the traditional way to look at nurturing businesses is maybe to look at it as a plantation, where you where you want to grow as many Uh, um, you want to grow as much as possible, so you optimize pesticiding. You op- if there is any weed, you take it away because it, it disturbs. But if you want to grow this kind of an ecosystem, and then you want to maximize output, well, you let everything be, and you let it grow by itself. You let the weeds pop up. You don't know what that weed will become, if it will be a tree, if it will be a flower, whatnot, uh, if it will become a unicorn mm-hmm. in this instance. And you know the, the thing is, you cannot predict w- what's in there. So that rainforest uh, approach... It's something that you need to have to nurture this kind of environment. But I think it's important to say as well that should we build the next Silicon Valley here? No. Then it would have been called the Silicon Valley. This is Stockholm and there are other conditions here. The government plays a different role here. And uh, uh, the history is different. I mean, the weather, we can't compare the weather. So why should we be able to compare other things? It's a unicorn city, not Silicon Valley here. But can they learn anything from, from Sweden? Yes, to be more humble. <laughs> <laughs> Startup scene is not known for its humility, yeah. always. Um, yeah, I think that um, there's a lot. There, I mean, people do business here not to make money out of it. It's 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 something that I've seen in a lot of the founders that we meet. They really want to make something better. So uh, so I I don't know if that's the same interest when because I meet people and I meet founders outside. They always talk about exit strategies. How are they going to make the money more faster? But here in 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 Stockholm, I've seen that people want to create things to make things better in life in general. And I, I think there are other ecosystems globally as well. I mean, we have Stockholm, there is Israel, there is uh, Silicon Valley, there are other ecosystems like this. And again, what this Kaufman Foundation are doing now is that they've recognized that this has happened. They were early on recognizing Silicon Valley. They were early on recognizing these kind of ecosystems globally. But what they see now is that there are individuals, individuals like Maral, for example, mm-hmm. who play important roles to the... Uh, like. Uh, to, to the building of these ecosystems. So now what they're attempting to do, what their next step is, is to try and professionalize the ecosystem builder. And that long term, I think, is something that can have a tremendous impact. Mm. So it's not what Silicon Valley can learn from Stockholm or, Sil- or Stockholm can learn from Silicon Valley. It's what we can learn from what we have done together at the more systematized mm-hmm. level and then try to nurture this more yeah. across the board. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that we can do me- better in Stockholm is that we don't see Swedish big corporates involved in the scene that much. Mm-hmm. And w- if we compare it to Silicon Valley or US in general, th- the big uh, companies are very involved in the startup scene. And it's m- like we are seeing things changing here as well. There are lots of good Swedish corporates as well, but they are not very involved. They don't see the value yet. But yeah, it takes time uh, like everything else. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now that we've embraced the Swedish startup scene well enough, let's be typically Swedishly politically correct and see if we can find another view on the subject. Jane Rafino was born in the United States of America and is head of communications for a startup right here in Sweden. Uh, she's also a columnist for the Sunday Business Post newspaper in Ireland. And in her career, she's helped clients understand who their customers are and what they are trying to communicate. Is that about right? 
Yeah, that's about right. And I also work on things like growth and helping out with the product. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, she, she also makes jokes about being a recovering archaeologist and someone who looks at the world through the eyes of an archaeologist. Yeah, and like, there's because there's always a little dust and <laughs> a little grit. It moves you to tears. Yeah, everything does, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Jane, you've been doing a lot of communication work for Swedish startups. Yeah. What's your view on uh, the start the Swedish startup scene? Mm, I think my view would be that there is there isn't really I would I would hesitate to call it a scene because I think there is a scene, but I think the startup landscape is so much broader and so much more diverse. Um, and you have everything from you know these bootstrapped companies that are sort of startup minded, but they're not going for the kind of global growth that the consumer startup with you know this kind of global ambitions are aiming for. So I think I think the my problem that's not a problem, but like my my critique of that term would be that there is a scene, but there's a much bigger landscape that makes things much more interesting. But would you say it's like some kind of an overhype? Um, no and yes. I think we need people to be super evangelical. I think we need those people in the community because, you know, the reality is like starting any business is hard. It's hard and you kind of have to have this unshakable self-belief. And not everybody has that, so we kind of need people who have like double for everyone. Um, but I do think that there isn't a huge amount of space for the critical voices um, and that's really needed and so I think the effect is that it feels quite like if you don't buy into this hype that everything is the best in the world here um, that you don't really fit in and I think that's why and that's where I think I see the division between like this kind of internal scene type of community uh, and that isn't quite that is a little bit distinct from the wider landscape yeah it, it, What's missing in that case from the debate? Is it that you know, sort of mutual backslapping that goes on, that everything's rosy in the garden, or? Um, God, I think this is such a huge question. It's like I think the the problem is the voices are that are missing are the ones we don't even know about. So yeah. we're not hearing them. I can't tell you who they are because I don't know. Um, I do think that um, there is, you know, there's a big, you know, and this is this isn't limited to Stockholm, but the whole kind of three smiling white guys on the cover of a of a tech blog is still super problematic in Sweden, I think, in ways that even Silicon Valley is starting to address. Um, I find that I have my I have some groups of people that I communicate with and and hang around with and network with here who are a little bit critical, but they're much more critical voices are people that I know who are working in Silicon Valley, so even why with is that? some of the big companies. Um, there's a few. Uh, one is that uh, when it comes to things like diversity and not just gender diversity, um, you know, Sweden as a country is quite good at gender diversity, but in the startup world, it's abysmal, actually. <laughs> um, and I think that some of the women that I know in Silicon Valley have reached a level of of seniority that they're safer to speak out quite publicly without feeling that their jobs are going to be threatened. Um, and in Sweden, you know, there's a lot of, it's very difficult if you're in like an early stage startup to be a vocal critic of the gender diversity issue or any diversity issue. It's not a, 
it's a, it's a quite healthy attitude that there's this assumption that gender diversity is this natural thing here. But I think it also leads to people to believe that someone else will take care of it. And all of a sudden, you've got companies with 30 white men mm-hmm. and no women. Uh, and and not even you know not even someone who isn't white. Mm. But does that mean then that that women and ethnic minorities just don't get involved, or do they get involved to some extent and then just don't bother speaking up? I don't know. I mean, I I was listening to this podcast earlier today about women's creative leadership, and it's super interesting. And there's a woman, Eileen Carey, who's uh, who's founder of a company called Glassbreakers, who work with leaders and and companies to help them meet their diversity goals and sustain them because it's not enough to just like hire a bunch of women and people of uh, diverse backgrounds, you have to make a climate that they want to stay in. What she said was, if you're a woman, never work in a company that did not have a woman among its first 10 hires. Um, but, you know, that's that's something that I think um, was a fantastic piece of advice. I have unfortunately been among those first 10 hires as the only woman, and um, it's challenging. It's not always bad. It's just really challenging. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of whether the Stockholm startup scene is hyped. You know, I think we have this, you know, we have this very, very great statistic about, you know, Stockholm's uh, startup valuations, you know, per capita, the startup investment is some of the best of the world. Um, but it also assumes that success is about venture investment. And I think that is an issue that I have because some of the really fantastic companies, um, some of them that I've worked with, some I haven't, but I've worked with some really fantastic companies who are bootstrapped. And there are such great companies around Stockholm. And one of the things I think is great about Swedish uh, society is that there's this social safety net that means that if you work wherever you work, you have health insurance, you have access to social benefits, which makes it much easier for companies to bootstrap uh, until they absolutely need investment. And I think that creates a super positive climate. You can, I think, you know, until you're ready to scale, you you shouldn't have to take investment if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that makes it, I think Sweden makes that possible. And maybe it's not unique, but it's it's particular to Sweden in a way that I haven't experienced before. So I think focusing the success of Swedish startups on the the venture investment. And I know that some of those founders actually very, very publicly attribute their success partly to the strong welfare state. So I worry about like what's getting swallowed with this hype, which is a lot of Silicon Valley rhetoric, which is extremely can be very right-wing, can be very anti-public services. It can be very much about using technology to solve uh, social problems that aren't rooted in technology, um, that really need people with a, a really detailed like policy backgrounds. And Can you give an example of that? Um, you know, I've seen like a growth in this discussion about, you know, these uh, social entrepreneurship, which I think can be super great. Um, but it can also be very much like um, supplanting uh, efforts within communities to solve their own problems or using technology because the technology is there rather than understanding the policies that need um, to. I can't think of a Swedish example, but I remember coming across an example a few years ago that made me so angry that I still get angry thinking about it. And it was a, a light source, and it was invented by the percussionist from the band Faithless, And the light source was a ball that you shake. 
And she wanted to use it to generate power in Kenya, which, by the way, produces like 50%, has like 50% of the world's sunlight and has like a huge solar energy resource and is like working on their own energy problems. And uh, all you have to do is shake this toy for 12 minutes to generate an hour of electricity. And it's like this incredibly like racist vision because, of course, everyone in Kenya just wants to dance around and sing and play percussion instruments. I mean, it was it's this kind of thing. Mean, that's an extreme mm-hmm. example of it. But that's somebody who's like super well-intentioned. And I get that. But you don't just get to, you know, that these are problems. The real issue is, is yeah. there. Mm. And I think, again, Sweden has a really strong reputation in, like, you know, global development and in, like, being really, like, sympathetic and sustainable. So maybe those communities could, maybe the tech community could work together better. But those policy experts need to lead. It can't be the tech companies. I read in one of your columns in the Sunday Business Post that you call companies with a, a startup value, startups valued at over $1 billion dollars the Unicorn Club. I don't call them that. No, I call Do you know what I have? What do you You got? don't know about this? Okay. So I actually hate that word so much that I have a Chrome extension on my computer that automatically replaces Unicorn with flaming pit of other people's money. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you can see, I mean, you know, my attitude toward these huge venture investments, sometimes they're needed. You know, if you have a huge capital investment that you need, that's you need a lot of money. Mm. Um, and if you need to you need to scale, you need to hire lots of people. Um, but, you know, the burn rates at startups, which, you know, is the monthly expenses that you yeah. go through. Um, that's salaries and salaries, office rentals. Yeah, and... and you know, massage chairs and all the perks. You know, Fika, coffee. Yeah, those and those are important. Uh, some <laughs> perks are important, um, but actually benefits are more important. I'm, you know, I'm still a socialist at heart, so <laughs> um, I'm constantly trying to reconcile my socialist values with my desire to be financially successful. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, these things are they they they're we we need to be a little more critical. Um, of the investment community, if you are looking for investment, it's very hard to be. Um, you know, for example, why don't investment, why don't venture capital investors put pressure on companies to have a diverse team? They're always saying we we fund the team. We want to make sure that the most important thing is that the team can execute the idea. Well, then, if you're looking at a team of all men, then you're going against all of the current research that diverse teams are more successful. So mm-hmm. why aren't they putting that pressure on people? That's a very difficult argument to make if you're a startup trying to grow and trying to get money. Mm. But would you say then that uh, they'd be better off spending the money on other t- things or better off not spending the money at all and concentrating on just realizing the idea? Uh, in terms of their burn rates? Yes. Well, I mean, I think it depends on the company. You know, I think there are that's a that's a broader economic question. It's like, yeah. what should companies spend their money on? I'm not sure. I mean, it's up yeah. to the... But, but there is a lot of sort of hype around the place of, oh, let's go, we need to find this first round of capital, this second round of capital, etc. And, you know, get in these millions or po- possibly even billions of dollars and start to burn this. But, the, you know, that shouldn't be an end in itself, right? No, it's not. And, I you know, I think at the moment, right now, there's a much more conservative attitude toward investment in okay. the investment community. There's talk of, you know, we're sort of, there's been talk of a bubble for years you know it's being able to predict the the bu- when the bubble is going to go mm. but they are investors are starting to be more conservative with their investments and i think it's quite a good thing i think they're you know not investing in um you know they're still looking for those kind of crazy ideas because we need those mm. um but there are 
you know, a lot of investments to be made in like very unglamorous sections of the tech industry, like security. We have some of the big security companies very active in Sweden. Um, and we have some fabulous uh, companies doing the things that are like, they're not, they're not consumer tech. Um, and investors are actually looking at these companies that aren't consumer tech. And I think, again, when we look at these very, very hyped startups, um, we are looking at consumer tech. And actually, there's so much more happening. What excites you most about the Swedish startup scene right now? Um, I think there is a really interesting um, culture of solving problems together. Like, I do think that some of the things that are put forward as, like, you know, pushed as the uniquely Swedish things, they're, they're true-ish. You know, they're, they're maybe people aren't necessarily living up to them, but they're an ideal, and I like that ideal, that, you know, solving problems together, not being super hierarchical, um, making stuff. Um, and again, I think that the fact that the, the actual curve to getting to, um, getting from like zero to having a company, it's a lot easier in a place where you don't have to worry about your, you know, healthcare expenses. I mean, as a contractor, I use like a fine an invoicing service that takes care of everything for me. Mm-hmm. So you can do so much. There's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot more flexibility than I expected. Um, and I think there's a lot of really enthusiastic, fun, smart people that are well-traveled. Um, it is probably more diverse than it looks on the surface and I like that yeah it, it's it's exciting it's fun um, but I think we should pay more attention to you know what it means to do good business and what it means to do smart sustainable business and not just look at like sustainability as a business opportunity um, you know things like the housing crisis and the price of the cost of living in Stockholm is outrageous um, and I think some of that needs to be solved. There's a mixture of ways to solve that. Um, but I also think maybe people need to start seeing other, you know, people who don't necessarily want to live in Stockholm. There are other startup hubs. Like there's Lulia. That's a fantastic startup hub. Um, and there are, there's this incredible broadband infrastructure in Sweden that means you could have a startup hub anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I think that when you, I haven't traveled enough around rural Sweden, but I feel like we could be doing so much more to be less separate from the rest of the country. And, you know, we're sort of more connected to the rest of the world than we are to the rest of the country. Um, so I think we're missing some opportunities by being a little bit inward looking about our our scene as opposed to like, how do we do good business in a, in the country? They really gave us a new perspective about startup, didn't they? Yeah, I think Maral's definition was very interesting because, let's face it, every company is a startup at some point. Everybody has to start somewhere. But that whole idea of it being a company or a person that wants to solve a problem and that you don't necessarily have to do it with technology. It could be by using software. It could be by just using an idea that goes out somewhere. So taking that perspective and taking away the ones and zeros of binary code and that and just going out there and trying to make the world a better place and that that was kind of her definition definition of a yeah. startup that was a fascinating insight not only earning money it's, it's about make, making a difference yeah nobody here spoke about an exit strategy or how they're going to make their first million or their first billion but again it was that thing of let's make life better for people let's change the world let's change how we do things and how can we do that how can we realize this great idea that we have mm. and I also thought it was very interesting to hear that we are more creative in the dark this dark country 
Yeah, during something the, the good like, come out of it. That's the thing. We'll t- turn off the lights and we'll see if we can get more creative here in the podcast studio for the next series. You know, <laughs> so if there is anybody who's listening out there and who wants to come to you know the finest startup hub in the world, who wants to experience that creativity that only the Nordic darkness can call out in you, uh, if you're looking to base yourself up in Lulio with your latest technical innovation and you're looking for a diverse crew to work with you, Sweden's the place to come. I wanted to be able to talk about how I went to the Dollar Horse Factory and it made me, like, it blew my mind. <laughs> the Dollar have, Horse Factory? Yeah, this is very corny and very, like, foreigner in Sweden, but I got to go to the Dollar Horse Factory on Saturday. Okay, th- these are the red wooden these horses are, yeah. that you, you know, are a symbol of Sweden going back. And I just thought, like, let's go buy some Dollar Horses at the factory. Okay. And I had no idea that these little horses that have been around, so the current way of making them has been around, like, most things since the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all made in order to be an authentic dollar horse they have to be made in one of these like three towns and they're all made in these factories they're carved by like volunteers who sit at home and carve them like at night watching TV yeah. um, and they're made in this really specific way and they and their their output is amazing yeah. and they do innovate you know like you know they figured out this way to make them faster in like the 1920s some 15 year old kid you know, it was actually a really fabulous mm-hmm. story this 15 year old kid figured out how to make dollar horses faster and he now his factory that he started is the is the biggest dollar horse factory in the country and they they are a global industry and they're just like a bunch of people sitting in this like workshop like carving dipping horses like and and they use everything. They use the scrap to heat their houses. I'm like, this is actually a really cool story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if we were more connected to the rest of Sweden, I'm sure there are lots of stories. There's all this small-scale manufacturing that still survives in Sweden. Um, you know, there are all these industries that grew up, like Klaus Olsen. We were driving mm-hmm. around. My boyfriend is very good with, like, knowing all of these things about, like, Swedish history and labor history. So he'll point them out to me. And... Like, they're still thriving companies and, you know, working to keep those companies alive and help them to grow the way they want to grow. And then bringing some of that startup mentality to companies that that could use it rather than trying to, like, take over with startups and then all the innovation is in Stockholm. All the innovation isn't in Stockholm. So I think... Um, you know, that to me was like such this mind blowing thing. I was like, okay, this is the, <laughs> this is such a Swedish thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a like Swedish industry. It's the making of the symbol that is Sweden. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's like the, the concentrated protein <laughs> of Swedishness. And it's actually this really cool, like actual handmade. And, and who knew it was the original Swedish uh, startup success story? Exactly, right? And I think, I thought, I was like, okay, I know I'm just such a corny foreigner in Sweden, but it's pretty cool, so. This podcast was brought to you by the Swedish Institute, a government agency which promotes interest and confidence in Sweden around the world. To learn more about all things Swedish, visit sweden.se or sweden.se on Facebook or Twitter. To learn more about the Swedish Institute, visit si.se.